Has the check engine light come on for the Colorado River? That and other stories for the week ending June 28th, 2015. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. Lake Mead is one of a number of reservoirs on the Colorado River. And last week, water levels there dropped lower than they have ever been since 1937 when the reservoir started filling. The drop is seen by most as a result of a sustained regional drought that started last century. It won't be known for a while whether the lake levels will stay so low. If it does, then water deliveries to some farmers in Arizona irrigation districts could be curtailed starting in 2016. The odds are quite high that cutoffs from the Colorado will occur the following year, 2017. Luckily, this past May and early June saw unusually high snowfall and rain upriver in the state of Colorado. An official with the Colorado River Conservation District is predicting that more than twice the amount of water will flow into the river than what was earlier thought which is good news for California, Nevada, and Arizona. However, some are noting that this temporary relief should not put the 40 million people who depend on the river at ease. Drew Beckwith of Western Resource Advocates told the Arizona Republic that the low level in Lake Mead is analogous to a car's check engine light coming on and that drought or no drought, the Colorado River is already over-allocated. Two articles came out last week describing how man-made global warming intensifies storms. First, in 2013, in a remote area of the Indian Himalayas, as many as 5,000 people died when heavy rainfall caused a natural lake to burst, destroying roads, bridges, and carrying off herds of animals. At first, the cause of the devastation was thought to be early monsoons and poor building design, but various studies reviewed last week by Daniel Grossman for Yale 360 have shown that global warming was likely a contributing factor to the flooding that ravaged the village of Ketternuf. Heavy rains have occurred in the area again last week, and on Friday, the government of the province in which Ketternuf lies launched rescue operations to save thousands of pilgrims who had been stranded. In another study published this past week, scientists concluded that human-caused global warming worsened flooding that occurred in 2013 along the front range of Colorado and in Superstorm Sandy in the east. The rains in Colorado in September 2013 dumped more than 9 inches of water in less than 24 hours and a total of 17 inches in a week. The report notes that it's important to focus on the changed underlying thermodynamics, higher sea surface temperatures, and more atmospheric water vapor that can supercharge the weather systems that do form. As we reported last week, Pope Francis issued his encyclical on climate change, emphasizing that the problem is urgent and calling for a new dialogue about how we are shaping the future of our planet. That pontification on global warming has gotten climate deniers a little hot under the collar about the prospect of a deal at the UN conference coming up this December in Paris. In a fundraising letter leaked to the Guardian newspaper, the so-called godfather of climate denial warns that a United Nations deal on global warming would spell economic suicide for America and a disaster to the world. In the rambling 13-page letter, Fred Singer, a retired scientist, appeals for money to stop the climate pact and accuses President Obama of embarking on a, quote, 
anti-energy regulatory jihad. The appeal was penned on behalf of the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, or CFACT, a little-known ultra-conservative group that denies the existence of climate change and whose executive director called the pastoral letter Rome's greatest scientific blunder since Galileo. A more visible climate change skeptic is Governor Rick Scott of Florida, who's been accused of forbidding government employees to use the terms climate change and global warming, a charge his office denies. The Florida Center for Investigative Reporting looked into the controversy and compared the independent Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission with Florida Department of Environmental Protection, an agency that reports directly to the governor. They found that prior to Scott's election, the Department of Environmental Protection was aggressively studying climate change. When Scott took office in 2011, the terms climate change and global warming began to disappear from reports. Additionally, former Department of Environmental Protection employees described meetings and emails in which they were ordered not to use the terms. Department officials instructed employees and volunteers to stay away from the subjects. Meanwhile, last week, Governor Scott vetoed funds to replace a marine vessel that had been in use for more than 40 years doing ocean research. The ship, operated by the Florida Institute of Oceanography, monitored red tide, analyzed coral in the Keys, and studied oily water after the deep water horizon spill. And finally this week, given all the news on climate, it's possible that you're left with this burning question about global warming. What do mermaids think about rising sea levels? Or ocean acidification? Up until recently, we didn't know. But last week, a crackerjack reporter from The Guardian tracked down the elusive creatures and found out, well, that they're crabby. See the original interviews through a link at our website, h2oradio.org. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio and is sponsored by Colorado WaterWise. Learn more at coloradowaterwise.org.